I am so excited about today. Today is one of those DNA sermons, okay? So these are, this is like one of those things that uh, uh, we have to get into our souls. We have to get into uh, our depths to understand where the Lord, I believe, is taking us as a church. So this is like one of those things, hang with me. It will probably be a lot coming at you, but it's like one of those things that just we need to understand. I was uh, reading the other day, and I had one of those uh, verses that slaps you across the face. You know those verses? If not, you need to get into your word more. Because it's like one of those things where it's like it just slaps you in the face and you can't stop thinking about it. And you think about it over and over and over again. And you're like, okay, what do you have for me, Lord? And it was this verse. It's kind of a strange one. But it was uh, 1 Corinthians 12.1. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. It sounds like a weird one that you get slapped in the face. But as a pastor, this is a significant verse for us, okay? So Paul had started the church in Corinth, and he has found out that they're losing their way a little bit. And so Paul's going to give them a, like a, a practical letter on how you're supposed to live so that you don't compromise. There is going to be some compromise that's happening in the church in Corinth. And what we see is that Paul's going to say, hey, this is how you are meant to live. And he's going to come at it very interesting because he doesn't come at it as individuals, but rather he's going to say, Christian community, here's how you are to exist in a culture that's going to try to get you to compromise. And so the Christian community should look a little bit different than the culture. And so what's happening in the church in Corinth is that they think they figured out spirituality. They think that they kind of figured it all out. And Paul's like, you do not know how dangerous this is, I believe. And so the spirituality was leading to not what was supposed to be happening, but this figuring out spirituality was leading to divisiveness and selfishness. Those were the two things that were happening in the church. It's what's happening 2,000 years later in our churches as well. That, that we think we got it figured out, but we are more disunified and more selfish than we probably ever have been before. So we have to figure this out because this is not how we were meant to live, right? And so this letter, he's going to say, this is what it means to truly live a spiritual life. And if we do that, it will lead to unity and it will lead to selflessness, putting others first, and it will lead to a holy life. Those are the three things that he's going to point us to. And so I believe that this is a season for redeemed church to explore these things. What does it mean to be spiritual beings? And so when we look at this verse, there's two things that are abundantly clear. There are these things called spiritual gifts, all right? There are these things. There are spiritual phenomenons that should be happening when the body comes together. Each one of us have these spiritual gifts, and when we come together, we're going to see these gifts take place. It's clear that Paul said, when the spiritual community, when the Christian community comes together, there should be an activation of the Spirit. That's what he's saying. There are these things that are going to happen. And there should be these signs that show that there's this continuous presence of the Holy Spirit. What's happening in our inner being, what's happening in our inner life, when we come together, should manifest itself in some way when we come together as a body. Number two, it's very, very, very important that you aren't uninformed about these things. This is where the danger comes in, right? We see that there's spiritual gifts, obviously, 
and we have to be informed about how to use them. Because if a spiritual gift can be used, naturally it can also be abused, right? How many of us have experienced that? Where there feels like there's spiritual gifts happening, but there's really passive aggressiveness or disunity or something to manipulate you. And so if there are spiritual gifts that can be used, they can also be abused. And it's so important that we understand this. Ignorance on a personal level and on a church level can not only affect your life, but it can greatly significant someone else's life. And so we cannot be uninformed on a spiritual level and on a personal level and on a community level. It's a great burden for me because I believe that Christ wants us to look a little different. But we have to be informed about this. We need to discuss these things as a church. And so each week we say this, we're going to be a spirit-led church. We're going, to be, we're going to be people who hear from the Father and simply do what the Father tells us to do, right? Well, with that comes this whole other element, which is that we have to be uninformed. We're not, I believe that Christ is going to build this church not through the latest gadgets, not through the latest techniques, not through the latest anything, but instead, when the Holy Spirit comes on this place, and when people come in, they say, I feel the presence of the Lord. And when you have that, it shakes you to your core, and it transforms people's lives. Because we believe that he will restore each one of us through his presence. And when he restores each one of us through his presence, he will restore the entire community through his presence. But we have to understand what this looks like as a Christian community first, okay? So we have to do this. We must not be uninformed. If we want to use and not abuse the gifts, we must talk about it as a family. And so that's what we're going to do. That's the next like 10 weeks. We are going to talk about spiritual gifts and it's going to be really good. I'm really excited about this, but we're going to talk about how we operate with it and how the church operates with it and how the church is meant to operate in general. Okay. So this is not a me focused area, okay? We're going to get into it and look at it from a Christian community, and I'm really excited about that because there's a temptation to make it me-focused. We, we, uh, we, we had a, uh, I was searching Instagram, some of my buddies' churches and different things, and whenever they're talking about the spiritual gifts, I feel like people are missing it completely because we had a temptation to make it about me, right? You see, you think, see things like sermon series that are like, being super, right? That's like a whole thing that was this, right? Or, or you are gifted. That was one of, my, one of the churches that I saw. Like, you are gifted. You are unique. It's all about you, 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 you. But instead, this sermon series is called Healthy Spirit-Led Church. The Spirit, is so, it, when he comes and gives us gifts, it's meant for the edification of the body. It's not about you. It's about the edification of the body. It's about the upbuilding of the church. You can't be a church that is all about me, but rather when the spiritual gifts come, it's all about building up the community. Amen? I was told by a mentor when I took over to, to lead this thing, and I told by a mentor, they said, you can't make everyone happy, so stop trying. And instead say, what is, how could you build a church that, you want your family, you feel good about your family attending. And so that's been one of the big things. Megan and I are very passionate about raising our kids, and we have a desire to raise our kids in a spirit-led church. 
This is very significant for us, where the spirit is active and vibrant, but at the same time, a healthy church. This is vitally important. I, I have a burden in my heart that all of us, kids and youth especially included, I know Diego and I have this talk a lot, where the spirit is activated, but where there's emotionally healthy disciples that are also walking alongside them, because if not, they can get abused in this area so quickly. It just, it is, I'm, I know I'm laying this down, but I'm just, I'm just laying down the foundations of what we're trying to build, okay? Because I believe that we need to be a church that's focused on God's word. I believe that we are a church where Christ is the cornerstone, but also where we are emotionally healthy disciples, where the spiritual gifts like prophecy and words of knowledge and miracles and healings are taking place, while at the same time, there's an emphasis on the fruits of the spirit taking place as well. Well, this place is marked with love and joy and peace and self-control and gentleness. It's so important that we understand this balance. Because like what Paul said, we must not be uninformed. Now, I don't know where each person is. I kind of know from just relationships. But there's like a variety of different levels of growing up in a charismatic Pentecostal experience, right? Some of you were raised where it's like, if there are not flags happening and tambourines happening, and I'm like walking around and yelling at you, you don't feel like you're at church. That's one area. That's totally fine. And then there's some that are like medium charismatic, right? Or like medium, medium comfortable, right? Like they feel comfortable full hand raised. They don't even have to go half hand raised. They'll go full hand raised when they feel it, right? For me, I was raised uh, like if there was a scale of one to t- or zero to 10, I would be zero. I was raised, I had two great influences in my life. My grandfather, I've said this before, was a Quaker pastor. So he's a Quaker, Quaker minister. And so I, I didn't grow in sensationalism. I didn't grow where there was like, hey, the spirit's not active. They believed that, but I never saw it manifested, right? And so I'd go to the Quaker church with my grandfather, and it would just be like, you sit in silence, and the Holy Spirit's supposed to move, but nothing ever moves, it's really a weird thing. And, and I, I remember as a young kid looking up in an encyclopedia for uh, those that on this side right here, front row. Encyclopedia is Wikipedia before the internet. Got it? So and so, I, all, these, all these young people coming to church and they're like, well, I'm out now. Thank you. Encyclopedia. And I'm looking up the Quakers. And the Quakers got their name because they quaked. How fun is that? Look at this picture. They used to dance around. They used to quake. Like this was not, not just the bonnets and the wool suits, but this was not what I grew up in the Quaker experience. So I'm like, come on, I'm getting gypped. (laughs) Then I grew up as a Methodist, right? The other influence was I went to a Methodist church. And, And for me, the Holy Spirit never did anything except for one week a year on Pentecost. My minister came out. And he was just wearing a robe with a dove on it. It's like, hey, the Holy Spirit's here this week. We got the dove. We got the dove minister today. But that was it. There was no experience. But what's really interesting wasn't until I was in college. I was in college and I, and I was really saved in college. And I, I was at this prayer night at this Christian Missionary Alliance church. And it was the most unique experience. The, the Holy Spirit came and like people just started prophesying over me. And you know those like prophecies that like, woo, hit you and words of knowledge, stuff that people should not know about me, but they're just speaking into my life. 
into my life, into my life, and it broke me, and it broke me over and over again. And, and, then, and then I just randomly, I don't even know if I believed it or not believed it, I just started speaking in tongues. It's just like, blah, blah. And I was just like, this is crazy, and it was this experience. And I was on fire and ready to go. And about a week or two later, it's me and me and like three other of my friends. We decided to drive up to Chicago. I was in uh, around the Indie area, and I drove to Chicago. And there was an international house of prayer. And it was this amazing experience that we were going to have. And we drove on, and we opened the door. And here's the best picture I could find to describe it of the Lion King when the hyenas are surrounding <laughs> Simba. It was like. Fresh meat has entered the building. It's like, lay hands on them. And then it was like, I was told I had demons and there needed to be an exorcism. And it was like, whoa, this is crazy. They were like hungry people that didn't have the fruit of the Spirit with the gifts of the Spirit. And they were trying so hard. And it was the most unhealthy experience. I remember gave it, I gave it 10 minutes and I was out. And I, for the whole weekend, I just walked the streets of Chicago. And I walked and I was like, what in the world, Lord? How could I have this amazing experience where it's like they're speaking, they're just undressing me with their words and just like, it's just crazy. And then to go to the same place where like the, the prayer movement's supposed to be and all of a sudden it's like, I don't feel it at all. It's because if the spiritual gifts can be used, they can also be abused. And so it's so important that we understand this, that we are all gifted in the Spirit. The, the Spirit's going to manifest its, itself in some way throughout here. But, but we have to build the foundations of what our church is going to look like if this is what it's going to be. I'm going to start here. We have to understand this concept of how the Spirit dwells. And we're, we're, we, I'm so, the Lord like, was just revealing today over and over again, even what what Daniel just prayed, but Psalm 139, 7 through 8. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. In this psalm, David is writing that there is no place that is off limit for Yahweh. Zero places that are off limits for Yahweh. There is no place that God's spirit cannot exist. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere, right? He, he's present in every moment, every time, every place. That is a truism. David takes us to two extremes to drive this home, and we need to understand this. He helps us understand. He says, you can go to the highest heights. You can go to the heavens, to the place that we can't even imagine. I pulled this picture. There's a, there's a web telescope that's like, I don't know, 10 or 100. I should have looked this up, but it's like a lot more powerful than Hubble. This is Neptune. This is an actual picture of Neptune that we can now get. This is Neptune real time that's happening right now. I think this got, just got released like Friday. David's saying, you can go to the heavens. You go to Neptune, and the Spirit of God exists there. And then he's going to say, he's going to say, you can take that, and then you can go to the lava-infested middle of the earth, the place what's known for him as the realm of the dead, to the bottom, to the deepest, deepest places, and there God's presence can exist and does exist. Anywhere we go, we experience the presence of God. God dwells everywhere. That is a truism. 
We have to understand that. And my, 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 my whole prayer time, when you, before you guys get here, I usually get here around 7, and it's just praying for this room. And it's just, Holy Spirit, will you just show up and just work in our midst? There's an intentionality to what's happening. But Paul's going to take it deeper in Corinthians. He's going to tell us ultimately that the Spirit right now is now dwelling where he's always wanted to be, 1 Corinthians 3.16. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst or some translate it dwells in you, is in you right now. Before we begin to unpack spiritual gifts, we have to start here. We have to understand each one of us being God's temple. Because if we build that as the foundation, the spiritual gifts are going to happen within this church in a very healthy way. But we have to take it and understand what it means because Paul is calling each person in the Corinthian congregation God's temple. He's saying that you are the location of the presence of the Spirit. You are the location of the Holy Spirit in this city. In this city, as we walk around, what are you? You're not Jonathan and Don and Peter and Eddie and all. You are the Holy Spirit walking around in this city. That's how he set it up. You are the location for his presence. For Lakewood, for Tacoma, for UTP, for Stillicum, for DuPont. All of this was always his plan. That this is how he would dwell. David was saying there is no place that the Spirit is not. And Paul is saying, yes, and it's actually in your innermost being. The Spirit is actually dwelling in you, in your inner life. So Neptune or the realm of the dead or yourselves, that's where the Spirit is. Think about that. It's crazy to think about. God's Spirit dwells there, and when it comes together, He is in our midst, and that's the significance of what's happening. When all of us spirit-led people come together in the Christian community, the spirit is in our midst, and he's going to do what he wants to do. Paul uses this language when he dwells amongst you or dwells in you. It's this Greek word that's actually plural, and so it's very important that that you is plural because there probably always has been this thing where it's like, Oh, Kurt's the anointed one as the pastor. Or the elders have this anointing or the spirit on them. Or the board has, they're the godly people. But no, 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 no. Paul is saying to the church in Corinth, and he's saying to the redeemed church in Lakewood, the spirit is in you, plural. In you, plural. Each one of us, not select individuals, but Christ dwells and inhabits in all of his true believers. God's spirit then is alive in our midst. And that's the foundation before we get to spiritual gifts. That's why it's so important that we get together. Because when we come together, we acknowledge that we are God's temple. And when we practice spiritual disciplines, when we come with a kingdom focus, when we desire holiness over worldliness, when we repent of our sins, and when we come together as a body, God is is in our midst. So important that we understand this. Spiritual things begin to happen, and the gifts begin to happen, and they build up the church. We can miss this entirely. We never, uh, I believe that when we don't make room for God 
to move in our mix, then we just kind of miss it, right? God wants to. He so desires to. But we can really miss it if we don't come with that. And if we don't, I believe that we'll never fully find the freedom that God has for us. That's why it's so significant. God gives spiritual gifts because he wants us to find freedom and transformation that we never thought would be possible. He, he, he wants to give prophetic words and, and words of knowledge that will bring clarity to us. That would be like, man, I've struggled with this, or I don't know what I'm supposed to do, or I'm lost, and he's just going to come, and his spirit's just going to make sense of it for us. It is nothing big and broad and the things we make it. They're not going to put fireworks up here and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit's here. No, he wants to say, I I hear you. I I see you, Caleb, and I want to speak into your heart. That's what the Lord's trying to do. But when we come half-hearted, this is what I want to bring up. When we come half-hearted, God is still present. We're not making that argument. We just don't fully understand that God, that we're God's temple. There's this half-heartedness. He's dwelling in here right now, but when we come together as a church, he desires to say, I'm in your midst, and I'm going to do something. But it requires us to be attuned to that, to be willing to hear, to be willing to wait, to be willing to listen, to be willing to say, use me, God. I'm going to get out of the way. And that's a huge thing for spiritual gifts. Sometimes I hear this, oh, I didn't like worship today. I didn't like the songs we picked. Yuck! That's disgusting. We should vomit when we say that. Because that is not what worship is about. Worship is not about what you receive. Worship is about what you give to God to say, I am your temple. I am where the Holy Spirit dwells. And I'm connecting my innermost being with what's going on in the heavens. And this is what's happening. Lord, be amongst our midst. Huge. I don't want want it to be about judging the songs we sing or what our stage looks like or God forbid my sermons because let's be honest. But us coming together and saying, God, just be in our midst, whatever that looks like. I'm getting myself out. Come together, God is in our midst. And we turn all of our attention to the God of the universe. We connect our innermost being. And I know that it's hard. I know that's hard. I feel like most family arguments are Sunday morning for the Christians that come to church. You're going to wear that? How many times does the wife say that to you? I can't find the shoes. I can't find my cell phone. You're yelling at each other. You want to rip each other's head off as you come in. And then Mark and Patty Anderson, the joy just meets you there. And you're coming in with a smile. And you're like, hey, how are you? And inside you're like, oh. But that's why it's so important that even before you step in here, that you're preparing your heart at home. Heavenly Father, reveal in me anything that just needs to be pulled out in the weeds because I'm coming to be with my family, with the body of Christ, and I am at God's temple, so prepare me as I enter into worship so that you can do whatever you desire do because I want to lift up my church and I want to be there for the people that are around me. It's not about me. So important to think about. It, I want to go next to this, this familiar, uh, familiar story. In the second chapter in John's gospel, there is the story of Jesus entering the temple. And it's most known because this is like Jesus getting angry. 
if you ever get angry, it's like a, it seems like a justification for, hey, Jesus got angry, you know. Um, but the temple, uh, let's go there. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle and sheep and doves and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get out, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. So he makes these whips. He gets like multiple cords. He's like whipping them. He's getting this out. This is no joke. It drove Jesus to anger to see his father's house not being used for worship, but instead being used as a marketplace. This is significant. God, God's going, going back to this verse in Corinthians. We know that we are members of the church. We're now God's temple ourselves. So his spirit is in our midst. And so we have became, become this sacred place for the Holy Spirit to dwell, right? And so then when we read more in verse 17, it says, his disciples remembered what was written. Zeal for your house will consume you, me. It's so powerful to reflect on this, that, that the zeal that Jesus had for the temple. Jesus has a zeal for the temple, right? He, it consumes him, it says. Christ has jealousy for the, for, the, for the house where God dwells. He has eagerness and enthusiasm for the temple. So think about how much Jesus has zeal for us. If you are that temple, if you're now God's temple, Christ is saying, zeal for my house will consume me. It consumes him. What happens in our innermost being, how we operate as a church when we come together, he's sitting in heaven and zeal is consuming him on what's happening right now in God's house. In individuals and as a community of God, he's saying, zeal for my house will consume me. Tying back to Psalm 69, this messianic prophecy that he can't not live into. It's amazing. Should lead us to not live a life of ordinary, but a life of supernatural faith when we think about it. It should lead us to a desire for holiness and repentance and turning away from our sin, for a passion to use our gifts to fully reflect the Father's house. Not consumer Christianity. Seriously. It's, it's dangerous, not cultural Christianity, not going through the motion. It's our hearts and our innermost being. What does it look like? Are our innermost beings becoming a marketplace? Has it become a marketplace for you? Because if so, Jesus is about to flip some tables in your heart because zeal for your, his house will consume him. If you want to see God fully move in our hearts, we must be a place, not of marketplace, but a place of prayer and worship in our innermost beings. But when God searches our innermost beings, what does he find? When he comes into the temples of our hearts, what does he find? What have we snuck into our hearts? What, what have we cluttered our house of worship with, right? What have we distracted our attention what are we pouring our trust into rather than surrendering all of ourselves to God? This is so important. If we are going to use our spiritual gifts with one another to edify and to build up the church, but our hearts look more like a marketplace than a house of worship, abuse will happen. 
when it's all about what I can get, when it's all about what I can do, when it's all about how I look, whoo, it's a marketplace. And Jesus is about to whip some people out of there. Because zeal for the house will consume him. Zeal for your heart will consume him. That's what's happening on the inside. If we want to see healings and miracles and speak heaven here on earth, if we want prophetic words and words of knowledge to happen within here, we have to understand that we are a temple and that the spirit is in our midst. We need to constantly say we are a temple. Our hearts need to look less like a marketplace. It will consume them. All right, so then we jump back. If this is the foundation, then we have to talk about the spiritual gifts. Back to 12. 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to go through 1 through 6. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. That is wild. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them all. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. We're each temple's. And in each temple is the same spirit and the same God that's operating within this, right? There are different kinds of spiritual gifts. But Paul says two things. that come, One, they all come from the Holy Spirit. Everything must come from the Holy Spirit. And if they do come from the Holy Spirit, then the second thing has to be true. Which the second thing is true is that it always has to point back to Christ. Church, we have to hear that. We're going to go deep on each spiritual gift here over the next weeks. But if it's not led by the Holy Spirit, by the same Spirit that's in each one of us, and if it doesn't point back to Jesus Christ, then it is not a spiritual gift. Only through these things can, can the spiritual gift come to life when these two things are true. All things, all gifts, all ministries, all activities we do are guided by the same Spirit. Why that's so important is because God has a big plan for this body. What it looks like is all of us moving in complete synchronization. By the same Spirit and the same God, all of our work should be working in unity to build up the body to transform some lives. You don't even know how it's going to happen. Sometimes it feels weird. Sometimes I'm in worship and I get like a weird verse for some people or a weird word for people. And I go tell them and I'm like, uh-oh, this is weird. And then it breaks them and they're like, oh, this person said this to me last week. It's because it's the same God working. It's the same spirit working. And it's the same God who's saying everything points back to Jesus Christ, when we're all the temple of God, when we're all the spirit dwells in us, then there's this beautiful orchestration that happens within the body of Christ. And Paul's emphasis is the importance of community within these gifts. God is revealing himself and speaking to us through the same spirit, through various uh, uh, different kind of gifts. For what? 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Now to each one of the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. 
We're going to go through each gift in this series, but it's so important for us to understand these gifts exist to benefit the church community, not the status of the individual. I've been at churches and I've been at things where people call people the prophet. And there's like this, like you walk on, you sit at a certain spot, you walk on water, you, uh, you have this like thing that you cannot touch the prophet. That's not what's happening. It's not about the individual. And I believe that God, when that happens, when we make it about us, he's like, it's fine. I have a prophetic word to get to this person. I'm just going to use somebody else. That's how the Holy Spirit works, right? So we're going to talk about order within, within the body. We're going to talk about positions within the body as it goes with spiritual gifts as well. But we have to remember this. If we want to be a spirit-led church while being a healthy church, again, I have to emphasize that. The gifts exist for the benefit of the whole community, not for the status of the individual. Can I get an amen? amen? How many of us have experienced that where it's about the individual? When I went to that place in Chicago, man, whew, it's about the individual. All the gifts flow from one God, one Lord, one Spirit, and the manifestation by the Spirit is all these different acts that are happening for what? The edification of the whole body, the profiting of the whole body. He desires this church to be straight on fire. There's no, and we may not grow another person. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, man, this church is on fire. When Revelation, when he's talking about the churches, he, I, whew, my prayer is, he's like, redeem church, you are on fire. He never says, because you have 300 people, because you have 3,000 people, because you did all this, blah, blah, blah. No, he's saying, because you were neither hot nor cold. I mean, because you were not medium, you were not cold, but you were on fire, that, you're, that this is the blessing of the house. That's what he desires. And it's each one of us understanding that the Spirit dwells in us and then lifting up the entire body. I'm going to end here. I don't know, Jay, Jay's around here somewhere. If not, Jason's going to come up. 2 Corinthians 6, 12, he says it again. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? I'm not even unpacking that. Just let it sit. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. I want God to look at Redeemed Church and say this, I made my dwelling place there. I, I walked among them. And I can look at them and I can say, they were my people and I was their God. Imagine if that's our mission statement. <laughs> all the things that we try to do that's clever and all that stuff. And when, when Christ comes back, we say, woo, redeemed church. I made my dwelling amongst you. You connected your innermost being with, with what I wanted to do. And, and you opened yourself up to the things that the Spirit wanted to do in our midst. And, and when you did, I marked you as my people. And then I was just your God. That's all, I, that's all it was. That we were just people. That just say, you are our God. Paul, for a second time, reminds the Corinthians that they are God's temple, individually and collectively. If we want to see God move in powerful ways. There's seasons where 
God's silent. I'm not saying that this is like a magic formula. But if we really want to see God manifest whatever he wants over the next three to five years as we do this crazy thing called church in, the, in a world where nobody wants it, that's fine. What does it look like? Because I guarantee if people come in, my buddy all the time, man, he just wants to grab coffee with me. He's not a believer. He just wants to have coffee with me. So he's just like, man, you are marked differently. I come with my problems and you sort them out for me. You speak into my heart. You, everything that I'm dealing with in my inside, I'm like, ah, you just speak life into it. He doesn't yet believe. That's totally fine. I mean, I'm working on him still. But he just wants to be around me. And there's going to be people that come into this body and they're like, my life is so broken. I don't even know what to do. And we'll say, perfect. Because the Spirit of God is in our midst. <laughs> so just be. Just experience. Because God's dwelling here. He dwells amongst us. But if our, it, we must cut out the idols in our life. Because we're looking more like a marketplace sometimes than we are a house of worship. So go ahead and stand up. I'm going to pray for us. And the band's going to come out. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, you're in our midst. It's not about this house. It's not about this property. It's not about what it looks like. It's not about how on point our ministries are. It's about this. We are your people. You are our God. Come dwell amongst us. That's, a, that's the greatest prayer of our heart. We just dwell amongst us. Lord, I pray that this would be a, a place where, where we have these windows open where people would literally look in and be like, what is happening there at Gravely and Bridgeport? And we'll say, it's simply God coming and invading our space. And we simply just wait on you. So Lord, Heavenly Father, as we talk about the spiritual gifts this, this next couple weeks, Lord, will you reveal in our hearts exactly what you have for us? Lord, we desire so in our, in our very core to be a spirit-led church that's healthy as well because you desire healthy churches. You desire a place where you can send people who need restoration and transformation and you can say, that church right there, redeemed church, they'll take care of you. They won't let you fall. They'll walk alongside you. So, Lord, we pray right now for a manifestation in this body of whatever you want. And, Lord, I pray that you would help us to continually die to ourselves over and over again. Just, just die to ourselves. Whatever, whatever we're holding that's just keeping us back from being your temple, I pray that you would help us just to cut it out. We praise you with this last song. We lift you higher and higher. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.